Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. That's not Nate Geary, but this is still Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football, the third one being that freaking Chris Collinsworth slide is what Jay Spence the King just did, just slid his way on in there like he's Chris Collinsworth. Hello, friends. It's Jim Nance just getting the thing going, and then Collinsworth is going to come in. I, wait, hold on. Nance isn't with – no, Al Michaels is with Collinsworth. Oh, my gosh, I'm completely off the rails. It's been five seconds, and I'm already screwed up. Jay Spence, the king, is here with me. Nate is once again someone who is absent from the show. Now, he, he emailed me, and he said, hey, Bruce, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you get, some, you get some nights off this summer. And I thought to myself, goodness gracious, if I take nights off, no one's ever going to see the two of us ever together again. They're going to be like, who is the actual host of this show? But thankfully, I have reinforcements. I have backup. Jay Spence the King, host of the Code of Conduct, co-host of the Chop Up, co-host of the Hump Day Hotline on the Buffalo Rumblings, podcast and vidcast network. Jay Spence, how you doing, dude? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is my first time on Food for Thought, so this is a big deal for me. Well, we're excited. We are excited to have you. And as always, Food for Thought brought to you by Genesee Brewery. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester. New York. Spence, I still haven't had the Genesee Brewery Pineapple Kolsch. I, tell you I what, still haven't need, had it. They need to send it to you because you do that read perfectly. Like you sound like you sound like a recorded commercial every time I hear you do it. So like they need to ASAP. They need to send you some. I feel like I feel like I need to I need to get me some. I need to do something, you know, either that yeah. or I just need to get in the car, significant road trip, just find a way up there to get some pineapple Kolsch. If I get stopped on the way home, cops going to be like, dude, what are you doing? Why is your entire car filled with pineapple Kolsch? And I'll be like, officer, it's a long story. But, okay, so there's this movie, right? 
with Jim Carrey. <laughs> I'm just going to go off, just completely go off the rails. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic time. As a reminder, hit all of the buttons, all of the engagement buttons. You need to hit all of them like review rate, subscribe. Do me a favor. If you're listening to this, I feel like it's been a little bit since we've gotten a wave of reviews on the podcast channel. So if you're listening to this in podcast form, go over to your podcast channel, drop a review for the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. We really help that. It, uh, it helps us connect with people like you. So I appreciate that. If you are listening to us live right now on YouTube, a reminder that any super chat that is greater than $10 gets a Genesee pint glass. Make sure you're following at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and make sure you DM at Nate Geary Sports. That's right. Just because he's not here doesn't mean he doesn't have work to do, ladies and gentlemen about making sure that he is getting you those pint glasses. So, Jay Spence, are you ready to tackle our first meaningful topic of the day? Because we only tackle meaningful, important topics on the show. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. So, given the fact that the Buffalo Bills have released their 2022 NFL regular season schedule, they are about to embark on a journey. So we started thinking, what kind of food is a journey? When you think to yourself, goodness gracious, I was really taking myself on a journey with this food, with this food experience, with this restaurant, whatever it is, what kind of food takes you on a journey? Spence, I'll let you go first. Well, I'll tell you, um, I was younger when I tried this stuff, but and, and I, I eat it somewhat, not often, but somewhat often now. I feel like this season, uh, what we what we're gonna see with the schedule and everything this year with the Bills, it's caviar, baby. Like this, this is the this is the schedule you want. You got the what five primetime games with a possibility of seven because two can be flexed, and it looks like at least one of those will be flexed. Um, Josh Allen is front and center. He's like, you know, they have him. He's most prominent on a lot of the promotional pieces. He's he's the guy that they talk about on NFL Network and ESPN every single day. He's the guy that you know everybody loves to hate now. You know, last year, you know, it kind of got to the point where it was like, well, we want to see Josh do better. It was like he was the darling of the league. Now you're you're seeing teams and you're seeing fan bases look at him, and and now he's the hunted. And I love it. I love it. Wow. I like that one. I kind of feel like I shouldn't go next, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm kind of forced to, cause I have the notes and everything. So for me, food that takes you on a journey, I'm gonna go with Japanese steakhouse. So you walk into a Japanese steakhouse, you are immediately bombarded with the sights and the smells and the noises. And you're on a journey from the second you walk in, then you go and you sit down at the table and waiter comes up. And they have a discussion about yum yum sauce versus chicken and steak and shrimp. And what are you going to order and all stuff like that? Then all of a sudden, the dude comes out with the cart. He comes out with the cart and he starts to clean off the hibachi grill right in front of you. And that's the beginning of the journey. He cleans it off, and you're like, okay, okay, we're, we're we're going. We're getting the things. Then all of a sudden, he comes back. He starts making some starts making some noise, right? You get the the onions. And he pours the oil in it. You get the onion volcano and it's coming across and it's, it's a blast of heat to your face when he sets it on fire. And it's all sorts of journeys. You get the food kind of trickle fed to you, right? You get that little shrimp that he tosses up in the air and tries to land in his pocket or he tries to toss it in the mouths of the people who are sitting around the hibachi. And it's an experience. But at the very end, you're sitting there with this gigantic portion of food and you're going, am I going to have enough for leftovers? Is this going to tide me over through the cold, dark, football-less winter? Am I going to be able to hang on through the summer? 
is this going to happen to me or am I going to be full? What's the scenario going to be? So for me, the food that is a journey because the schedule is a journey is Japanese steakhouse. That is my thing. I don't know if, when's the last time you've been to a Japanese steakhouse, Jay Spence the King, but um, for me, it's one of those things that's sort of an, a, it's sort of an event and I have a specific hankering for it. There's specific times in my life where there's literally nothing that I have ever wanted more in my entire life than Japanese steakhouse. And then I'll go another year or two years and won't have it at all. Yeah. My grandmother, she, it seems like every time I'm home for her birthday or home, you know, whenever we're doing something major, she wants to go to a Japanese bar. So yeah, I, I've, I've, she loves it and I love it. You know, the, you're right. The, everything about that is a journey. Uh, I feel like yours was better. So now, now I'm, now I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to do, Bruce. <laughs> Well, you know what, Nate, Nate is used to it because, you know, <laughs> he comes in here and he's talking high and mighty about all these metaphors. He's got to get, he walks into the Bruce, you walk into the Bruce, you stepping up to me, you stepping yeah. up to me. And you know, he just gets, he just gets, you know, he gets absolutely obliterated too often. And because he's not on the show, I can make sure that I can say that and he can't do anything about it. So that's good. So the bill schedule has been released. And as a reminder for those of you who have, somehow been living under a rock or at least are not on social media or buffalobills.com or anything else. This is the quick rundown of the Buffalo Bills schedule. They open against the Los Angeles Rams at Los Angeles, the first game of the regular season, 820 on Thursday. Then immediately follow up with another primetime game against the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. It's part of a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Then you're at Miami then at Baltimore, then versus Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, then against Green Bay after the bye week, which is week seven, against Green Bay after the bye week at 8.20 on Sunday evening. So you're, getting a, you're waiting all day for Sunday night against the Packers. And Carrie Underwood will be singing songs about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Sunday, November 6th, they're at New York as far as the Jets go. Then at home against Minnesota, at home against Cleveland, all three of those games are 1 o'clock p.m., Central, oh, sorry, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time kickoffs, which is exactly the way I like it. Then Thanksgiving again. Gobble, 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 Josh Allen. Detroit Lions, 1230. I am thrilled that it's the early game on Thanksgiving. Absolutely thrilled about it. Then Thursday night, immediately a week after at New England. Then Sunday, New York. Then next week, Miami at home, finishing up the year at Chicago, at Cincinnati, which is a Monday night game, and then versus New England at home. So for those of you who have not familiar with that for whatever reason, there it is. But if the Bills schedule was a food, what kind of food would it be? And I'll go first on this one. And the reason I'm going to go first is because I don't know what it is with me today, but I went Japanese steakhouse and now I'm going to go Szechuan. Szechuan food is what this schedule is. And I'll tell you why. So Szechuan food is spicy. Okay. But that's not the thing that makes it Szechuan food because lots of foods are spicy. Lots of Asian foods are spicy. However, the thing that it makes it distinctly Szechuan food is the use of the Szechuan peppercorn and Szechuan peppercorn has a really fragrant flavor that also creates a numbing feeling in your mouth. And because of that, the further on you get into a meal that is Szechuan food, the less spicy it actually feels because you're numb to it. 
right off the gate, you're like, whoa, this is spicy. Oh man, this is spicy. But the more you eat it, the more tingly your mouth gets. And you're like, you know what? It's not that bad. In this same way, the Buffalo Bills schedule is tough. And it starts off with the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, on the biggest possible stage. The game where literally people who only watch two games of football a year, they still watch that. It's like the people who show up to church on Easter and Christmas, and that's it. It's those people. Even those people are watching. You could not ask for a bigger platform against a better team than the opening night of the regular season against the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, at their house. So, yeah, you start off spicy. But then by the time you get to the middle of this schedule, by the time you realize that you play Kansas City, have a bye, and then come back and face Aaron Rodgers, you're like, whatever, I'm numb to this. I'm numb to this, baby. This is just what happens when you're the good team. This is what happens when you're a Super Bowl contender. This is what happens when you're a back-to-back division champion. This is what happens when you are the odds-on betting favorite to win the whole darn thing. So because of it, it might be spicy right off the gate. And you might think it might be a little uncomfortable, but just give it a little bit. You'll numb up to it and you'll probably come back. Wow. Wow. First of all, that was perfect. Like just first of all, uh, you're, you're just going to blow me out the water here tonight, but that's okay. Cause the way I'm going with it, um, I look at it like my favorite meal from my great grandmother. Now, rest her soul, she's not with us anymore, but she used to make, and it's not everybody's flavor, but she used to make pencil beans and rice and with cornbread, like the Jiffy cornbread. And the way she would do it, the reason why I'm going with this is because it's nobody else in my entire life has ever been able to make these pencil beans and cornbread the way my great grandmother has. So it's like, it's the good old times. So it's like, mm. this feels like the nineties. This feels like glory days where we're the biggest team in the league. We're on everything, you know, like I mentioned earlier. And, and so for me, I can, I can actually follow along with what you're saying as far, you know, it feels spicy at first and it goes on those pencil beans, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, you get comfortable with it and, it, and it's good comfort food and you, you end up getting tired. You fall asleep to it because it's, you just, everything about it is just the best thing ever. The cornbread is sweet and and the right, you know, like the rice soaks up the juice from the from the pencil beans, and it's just, everything about it is just perfect. And again, I haven't had this in years, and so this season, this schedule, this platform for the Buffalo Bills is like 1990, 1991, 1992, 1993. It's it's like those years when those guys were at the top of their game, and we were going to the Super Bowl back to back to back. Hopefully, this year Josh Allen can can duplicate the things that Jim Kelly did to get us there, and hopefully, we see everything from. You know, Stefan Diggs, that reminds us of Andre Reed. I, I want that old great grandmother feeling, that, that cornbread that you just can't duplicate. That That's what it is for me. Feeling like the 90s again is an absolutely perfect way of summing this up. And if you could find a food that was distinctively 90s, I think you did it. I think that's good. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I didn't even think to myself, I should find a food that is distinctively 90s. And now that I'm going that way, now that I'm thinking that way, I don't think I can think of a food that is distinctively the 1990s, that is representative of an entire decade. Now, spoiler alert, I was alive in the 1990s. I don't know if if that's giving away anything by that. But I cannot think of a food that sums up a decade 
like the 1990s. I, I don't know why I'm I'm flying a blank on this. I, for some reason, we think of you know music that sums up decades, and we think of fashion that sums up decades. But for some reason, food is such a timeless concept that things that were really good 30 years ago are probably still really good. And things that were really good, because, you know, the 90s were, were, oh my gosh, I'm so old. The 90s were 30 years ago, Spence. I I need a minute. I just need a minute. It's bad. I was alive too, Bruce. I was alive too. It's so bad. The Arch Deluxe, Cameron says in the comment section, I don't know what the Arch Deluxe, is that a McDonald's thing? The I'm Arch Deluxe? Named Arch, I would hope so. I mean, Arch makes sense. Did I ever tell you the? I'm gonna tell you a funny story right here. So, um, so I was I was born as 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 I mentioned before, I was born in um, West in West Philadelphia. So in, in the area of West Philadelphia is where I was born. Yeah, I know, and I'm I'm the Fresh Prince of Bill's Mafia. So, um, my mother was in labor with me for 72 hours. Okay. I was extremely long and I was a very difficult child from the very beginning. <laughs> I was very difficult to handle. And they were done with me and they, uh, I had a, I was born and I came out and then they put me in the car seat and they were taking me home. And my mother was, of course, famished. So they swung by the McDonald's drive in and I was kind of, you know, I was, I was a baby. So I'm barely opening my eyes at that point. And, and the lady at the drive-thru goes, oh, my gosh, your baby's so cute. How old is he? And they go, like, seven hours. And the guy goes, like, what? So to this day, to this day, my parents believe that my affinity, my, my deep affinity for McDonald's comes from the fact that it was the first real food smell that I ever had in my entire life was going sense. through the golden arches in the drive-thru and thinking, that now it's like embedded in my like subconscious. There's some sort of deep psychological issue that I'm going to have to talk about on a couch with a therapist five years from now. Who's going to say, tell me about your relationship with your mother. And he goes, I'm going to say, you mean McDonald's? Is that what you mean? And it's going to be a great thing. So that's my, that's my fun McDonald's story for the day. I don't know. <laughs> no, that makes sense though. If you love it that much, I haven't had McDonald's in so long and you know, I, I miss their fries and their, and their hash browns, but that's about it. I don't really eat McDonald's often. I didn't know you loved it like that. Well, it's one of those things I have. A, I have a nostalgic for it. I, I, ha, I don't. I don't crave it as much as I did when I was a you know a poor college kid. Um, but I will say this: this morning. So this morning I was on my way to work, and my wife at the time was on her way back from the store, and we were going to crisscross. So I was going to see her headed home when I was on my way to work and she texted me and said, Hey, I'm in the McDonald's drive through. And I said, Hey, pick me up a sausage McMuffin and we'll do a drive by. We'll just do like, we'll do like a swap. Right? So she says, okay. So she gets it and she pulls into a parking space in the McDonald's and I pull in and literally barely even slow the car down. Right. And she just runs up to me and throws it in the passenger side window for me. And I, I drive away like it was all part of an elaborate heist to get a sausage McMuffin in my Bruce face. Like that was, that was my McDonald's story as of literally this morning. That's what we did. You know what? Their breakfast is elite though. I would, I would. Have you had the, the breakfast bagel? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a, ste- I'm a steak bagel guy. I get the steak one and I don't get it with hollandaise sauce. No breakfast sauce for me. I get the sauce. I, I, I take the onions off. I'm not an onions guy, but 
but the the steak bagel is, is the best thing they got over there. I am a you could put griddled onions on almost anything, and I would be good with it. Like I I, I don't like raw red onions because I think that it's too it's too much. It's too powerful. It overpowers the flavor of a lot of things. I don't like raw red onions on my burger or raw red onions on my sandwich. I just think it's it's too much. But if you saute those guys, oh yeah, like now I, I, I'm here for it. I am absolutely here for any bit of sautéed onions on. I'll put it on burgers. I'll put it on hot dogs. I'll put it on anything you want. I am absolutely 100% down with it. So we actually have a mailbag. So while we are grabbing this, if any of you in the comments section have any questions for us, go ahead and drop them in now. Spence and I will try to get to them. A reminder, the Super Chats will get priority. And we are going to move forward because I got an email from James. And James says, I have two questions for you, Bruce. Number one, Trey White back after the bye week, question mark. Reminder that bye week is week seven for the Buffalo Bills. The second thing that he had a question about was, is Coach McDermott on the hot seat? Is this a Super Bowl or try to get Sean Payton sort of scenario? And Spence, I'm going to let you go first with both of these questions, and then I will follow up. Well, I'll answer the first one first. Um, so the thing is, I don't think we really have an idea of where Trey is. Um, you, you almost hear conflicting stories. Like, you know, you heard Brandon Bean say in one of his pressers that we hope to have him back at the beginning of the season. Then you hear uh, Coach McDermott at some point say that, you know, it's impressive for him, you know, to see him be the first one in the building and the last one out. And he's working hard every day, but there we have no clue. And then, you know, just – from basic medicine and basic science and, and history, we know that when guys get an ACL tear, it's typically a year. It's a 12-month injury. And then even when they come back, they're not like really the best version of themselves physically. Uh, but Trey was injured Thanksgiving. So that was November. So I don't know. Um, for me, I would I would absolutely hope and pray that the Buffalo Bills took their time with Trey and not forced him back. I know that, you know, a lot of the a lot of the fan base, we we somewhat have not questions about Dane Jackson, but we're not as confident obviously in Dane Jackson as we are, you know, Trey white. But the thing is he filled in, he filled in pretty admirably last season when Trey went down and, you know, he and Levi speaking of Levi shameless plug, I'm here um, in Tucson, Arizona with him tonight um, and tomorrow for his Levi Wallace classic and Levi filled in Dane filled in did very well, did very well. So I think Dane can still step in, if Trey is not healthy. So I, I don't know how to really answer that and say if he's back by then or not. I would love for him to be back and be healthy, but I want them to take their time. As far as the Sean McDermott comment, um, I just, I can't, I can't see for any reason, you know, him being on the hot seat. Now, if, if the team, if the team regressed this year after the moves we made, you know, we, we had the number one defense last year, we had a top, I believe it was a top three offense last year. And, if we regress in that sense and now we don't make the playoffs after signing Von Miller, after signing Tim Settle Jr., after upgrading your offensive line with a pro or all pro caliber player, after signing a, another athletic tight end to add to your offense and drafting a very good running back that could add to your yak and increase Josh Allen's efficiency. After all of that stuff, if we don't make the playoffs, Absolutely, Sean McDermott would be on the hot seat. But if you make the playoffs, or you make the AFC, or you make the conference championship, or you make it to the Super Bowl and lose, there's no way I see that happening. We have to remember this franchise has been a franchise that, you know, 
it, it almost seems like the fan base now we're we're feeling ourselves too much. Like we're we're so in love with this moment because it feels so great, but we almost forgot what it what it was like for 17 years. And then really, I would even I would even take that further and say 18 years because the year that we made the playoffs, we didn't anticipate making the playoffs, and that wasn't a dominant performance by the team. So you know, for an 18 year period of time, we weren't that good. So I don't know. For me, I, I prefer, you know, it, it took a lot to turn this around. And it just so happened that it turned around quickly because of different things. One being Josh Allen's development. It happened a whole lot differently than, you know, a whole lot differently than we all expected. But Josh is here. The team is great. I don't I, I don't see the Pagulas uh, making the mistake of letting him go and then possibly, you know, bringing a Sean Payton or and I don't think that Sean Payton would be a mistake, but I think McDermott. He, he is Buffalo. He speaks like Buffalo. He dresses like Buffalo. He talks like Buffalo. Everything about Sean McDermott is Buffalo. You know, he's the dad Buffalo and Josh Allen is the, you know, he's the son Buffalo. He's the fun, goofy, you know, like he's that guy that Buffalo, he's, he's every, he's the tailgating version of Buffalo. Whereas, you know, Sean McDermott is your dad that comes to pick you up so you don't get a DUI. Sean McDermott is Buffalo. He's not going any place unless we don't. Now, if we don't make the playoffs, I'm with you, James. You know, if we don't make it, you can look for Sean McDermott to be gone, but I have a tough time thinking that we don't make the playoffs because we're going to win our division. And then, you know, I, I think right now we have the, the most talented or the second most talented roster in the league. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I don't really know what else I'm going to add. So I'm going to do my best to try and say all the same things that you said, but use different words. So it sounds like I'm saying things that are different, but I'm not actually saying anything different. I'm literally just, usurping time i'm sucking time away but not actually bringing any meaningful content to the situation i'm just going to try and say as many words as humanly possible while actually communicating nothing of value so the first one is that tradavius white being back after the bye week um i do think that there's a reasonable chance tradavius white's back earlier um usually when you look at acls in today's nfl you're usually looking at a six to eight month injury now and given that the timing in week 12 against New Orleans, I think there's a reasonable chance that I think there's a reasonable chance that Tredavious White could be back early, uh, earlier than the bye. I think that if you're close, then they'll probably just pull a Mitch Morse and just wait another week. Like if he was going to come back week five, you're like, well, let's just let's just wait and give him another couple weeks. Why not? But if there's a chance you can get him back week three, I, I think you do it. So that's my general thought on Tredavious White. Um, in regards to Sean McDermott, one of the other things that you have to consider when you're considering Sean McDermott is that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are aligned. I don't think you get rid of one without getting rid of the other. I think that there is a significant amount of synergy between the two of them. Um, there is an argument to be made that McDermott actually played a significant role in hiring Brandon Bean rather than the other way around. In a lot of organizations, the GM hires the coach, and then if they get it wrong, they might get a second crack at hiring a different coach. That is not the way it worked in Buffalo. The coach was hired, and a GM was brought in who could align himself with the coach who was in place. So because of that, I think very much like the John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan relationship in San Francisco, I do feel like you're probably not getting rid of one without getting rid of the other. It's a regime thing a lot more so. It's a program thing because it's, it's not just 
getting rid of Sean McDermott. It's it's scrapping the program. And when you have a scenario like this, I think it's got to be a pretty significant issue before you say, I'm going to scrap the most successful program that the Buffalo Bills have had in 30 years. So going to the going to the comment section. Go ahead. Well, because I was going to say in the comments, Daryl mentioned, you know, the memory of Rex still looms large in in the Pagula's minds. And and I was actually going to say that similar to that next, you know, when you have a traumatic experience in a relationship and then, you know, you, you break up with that person and then you finally heal from it, you move on. And then the person you're dating or the person you get married to next is a breath of fresh air. Everything is so much better. Now, you might not have 100 percent of everything that you want, but you sure got like 95 percent. I don't think that the Pagoulers are going to make a decision to, um, you know, in, in certain circles, it's like the 80-20 rule, where it's like you break up with somebody who gives you 80, and then you're trying to find somebody that that specializes in the 20, but then you realize that the 80 is gone. You, you don't want to do that. So I think, um, you know, Sean McDermott is, is safe for a while, as long as he continues winning. And the same, I agree with you about uh, Brandon Bean. Do you know what my wife would have to do at this point in our relationship? Spence, in order to get me to leave her. Listen, if she shot me in the leg tomorrow, I would give her the benefit of the doubt that she probably didn't mean to. I would literally sign up for the theory of alien mind control before I would look at her and go, yeah, no, I'm out. Because I've been through some stuff, right? I've seen some stuff, and I've dated some women, and I'm like, do you have any idea what my wife would have to do at this point to get rid of me? Like, you'd have to drag me kicking and screaming. You have to chop my limbs off. And I'd probably still go, it's okay, sweetheart. I'll just be a paraplegic with you. It'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. I don't need arms and legs. I just need my heart to love you more. And literally, that's where I would be. I think that there is something to be said about that. And obviously, you don't want to necessarily say that, oh, well, it's only because the last stuff was so bad. It's only because Rex was bad. That's not true. Sean McDermott is a Super Bowl caliber coach. How do I know this? Oh, well, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Okay, so all the people who never won Super Bowls until they did, right? Andy Reid never won Super Bowl until he did, right? Everyone, oh, they can't win the big one. Oh, they can't win the big one. No one could. You know, Peyton Manning was a quarterback who couldn't win the big one until he did, right? He couldn't be the best Tom Brady until he did. Exactly. It's about being as good as you can for as long as you can and hoping you get lucky. I, I don't think that you I don't think you want great to be the enemy of good when you recognize that a sport like football has such a tremendous level of variance in it that the best team the, the Cincinnati Bengals were not the second best team in the, in, the, in the league last year. They weren't. They went to the Super Bowl. This happens all the time. And I don't know how many times we have to see it before we realize that there's so much variance in football that you just gotta just Be a good team. Be a Super Bowl contender for as many seasons as possible and hope the ball bounces your way. So in the comments section, Carl says, if we're the second most talented team, who is your first, Spence? If you said, if I held a gun to your head and said, Spence, you are not allowed to say that the Buffalo Bills are the most talented roster in the NFL. You absolutely have to pick another team. What would you say? I would I would still go with the Los Angeles Rams. And I know that they they, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. is injured or he's not with them anymore. And I know they lost Robert Woods, but they added Allen Robinson. 
and they still have Cooper Cup on offense. So that is still solid. Their defense is still led by Aaron Donald. They still have Jalen Ramsey and their quarterback is still Matt Stafford. So um, I don't think that it was luck for them to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it took luck as far as even with the injuries, you know, they, they were a relatively healthy team besides a few other guys and, and they kept it going at the right moments. They got, you know, they jailed at the right time. Beckham Jr. kind of picked up. They picked him up from Cleveland at the right time to help him help them uh, really make a run towards and into the playoffs. I think that they're a solid roster, top to bottom. The Buffalo Bills, I, I personally think we are the most talented roster. And I, I tell you what, nobody's going to like this. Uh, but I think if it wasn't for the quarterback position, I would say Miami would be third. I just think that uh, Tua Tungvaluwa is, is really, really holding them back. I think, um, you know, well, you know what? It'll be a toss-up for me. The the Miami Dolphins or the 49ers. I always feel like the 49ers are, are very solid defensively and offensively. They just need their quarterback. We don't know what, what Trey is going to be. Jimmy was not was not it. So, yeah, if, I, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be the Rams. Taking the Bills out of it, it's the Rams, 49ers, and then Miami because of Tua. If Tua was better, I think Miami would be up there at the top. I have a take. Are you ready mm-hmm. for my take? I think the Baltimore Ravens are one of the most talented rosters in, in football. So mm. everyone, so people talk about um, the Ravens last year and how they underperformed. They were one of the most banged up teams of the last decade last year. Did you know that the Ravens actually tied the NFL lead in amount of all pro players last year, even though they were banged up and Lamar was banged up and they got a ton of talent back. I mean, they were literally, they're literally a Greg Roman offense that was bringing in people from the AARP to run in their backfield. And they literally created something I call the AARB. The AARB was just running in all runner wild. They are in the backfield for the Baltimore Ravens and they managed to piece it all together. I think Rashad Bateman is going to be a player. Nate Geary obviously disagrees with me very significantly based on last week's episode. But I think that with Lamar coming back, I think with them getting healthy, I think that there's a very, they just had an absolutely monster of a draft this year. I think there's an argument to be made that the Baltimore Ravens are one of the most talented teams in the NFL. And I think they're a Super Bowl contender in 2022. Okay. I won't, I won't disagree with you. Um, but the reason why I won't disagree with you is because of Lamar Jackson. I don't think that the roster top to bottom is as talented as, as you probably do. And you're probably right. Cause you're always right. But <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's it's um you know it's Lamar Jackson. I think that you know he he does what you know. I'm not sure how big of a basketball fan you are or you're not, but you know we always hear like he makes others around him better, and that's like LeBron James is that kind of guy. Lamar Jackson. It doesn't matter if he's playing with J.K. Dobbins, you know, who was injured in the preseason, who I drafted last year in my Dan- my dynasty league. And- <laughs> I've got him too. I got him too. <laughs> He's so, coming back this year. He is. And so you have this talented running back. Actually, I think they had like three running backs go down in um, the preseason. for yep. Justice Hill, <laughs> Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins all went down. So when you think about a, a team, a, a Greg Roman team, and we know him very well in Buffalo. We had a number one rushing offense for a couple years in Buffalo because of this offense and this offensive line. So you have that, and then those guys go. And they still do what they did. There was a time there during the first part of that season, like the first seven, eight weeks, that Lamar was actually an MVP conversation. Like he was, mm-hmm. because he was doing things with 
with a roster that just wasn't what anybody expected to for the Baltimore Ravens to put on the field. So I'll tell you what, you know, Lamar Jackson is one of those quarterbacks. I, I, I was in a, a Raven space on Twitter maybe three or four days ago, and they were yelling at me because I, I basically said, you know, when Lamar can make people really, really scared consistently through the air, they fear him, but not like they fear his legs. When he can do um, kind of like what Josh does, because the thing with Josh, they don't want Josh to run, but they really don't want him to throw either. There's nothing that you can do with that type of player. Lamar has to kind of instill that same type of fear before he's consistently mentioned in that same class. But the guy's an MVP player. He's an MVP caliber player and he's an MVP caliber quarter. I mean, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. He just has to really take that next step for me. But um, we'll see. I, I don't think the Ravens are are the, the most, you know, the most talented roster. I think I don't even think they're most talented in their division. If, if Deshaun Watson didn't get suspended or if he doesn't, get suspended, I think the, the Cleveland Browns has, has the better roster in that division. Uh, you know, I, I don't know because I, I just don't see it. They have the better running game. They have two better running backs, as much as I love Dobbins, as much as I love. And I would take Deshaun Watson strictly as a quarterback. I would take Deshaun Watson over Lamar Jackson. I don't think that's a crazy hot take if we see the same Deshaun Watson on the field that we saw before he left for a year. So I do think that Deshaun Watson, I mean, you got to remember how good Deshaun Watson was for a really, really, really bad Houston Texans team. I really, truly believe that that Deshaun Watson season will be used as a, here's why wins are not a quarterback stat for essentially the rest of time. For the remainder of my adult life, I am going to be using Deshaun Watson's year with the Houston Texans as a reason why wins are not a quarterback stack because he balled out and they were terrible. John Curran in the comment section says, you need to smash like. Yes, saute the like button. Whatever food metaphor we would like, right? Uh, tenderize the like button. I like tenderize. Let's go that. Sure, okay, I, 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 I got to ask something. So you, you have a meat tenderizer? Spence? Yes, absolutely. Do you ever hold it and pretend like you're Thor from I, the Marvel I, Universe? So because all, I do that all the time. Thor is the GOAT, first of all. I actually literally have, I don't know if you can see Hammer. It's tattered. Oh, yeah. That's what Thor I'm talking about. My, well, anytime I have any type of Hammer, I'm Thor. So just watch out. Okay. Like, cool, cool, cool. I'm down, table, I'm down for that. Yeah. For it to come, like, come on. It never comes. What I do is I need to get my, my I need to get it on like a string or something and you yank it. Or I need to train one of my dogs to bring it to me when yeah. I say, you're near to me, like that, just like that. <laughs> Love that's, it. That's my, that's my Thor yeah. accent. It's, it's, Thor it's, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress for sure. Yeah. Okay, moving along. Winners and losers from this week in the NFL. And, you know, the funny thing is I had someone ask me, you know, Bruce, can you continue to do the winners and losers from this week in the NFL even when it's the offseason? I said, yes, of course I can. First off, it's it's my show. I can do whatever I want. You can, you're just stuck and listen to it. Sorry about that. But also, the NFL is a 24-7, 365 league. There are more people consistently watching Roger Goodell read names off of an index card than are watching the championship of different sports. I need you guys to understand that. More people watch the first round of the NFL draft consistently than watch the games in the NBA finals. Yes, it is absolutely something we can do year round because there's always winners and losers. And we're going to start with winners. My winner this week in the NFL 
is Brown's third round pick, number 99 overall, David Bell. I watched Kevin Stefanski's press conference talking to the Browns beat reporters, and Kevin Stefanski doesn't gush about essentially anybody, right? Kevin Stefanski is your classic, stoic, handsome head coach who just says as little as humanly possible because he's analytically inclined and he doesn't really want to do that. He kind of looks like the super Chad meme. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme of the very square jawed, muscular, bearded Chad. And Kevin Stefanski sort of looks like that. I got as close as I've ever seen to watching Kevin Stefanski gush about a player. And that was David Bell. He's walking into an offense that should be more pass heavy because they actually have a quarterback they trust now. In addition, he's walking into a situation where the only people he has to fight for reps as the number two receiver are Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz. I think if you wanted someone to come in, make an impact with a high-caliber quarterback in what should be an offense that passes the ball more, David Bell literally could not have gone to potentially a better spot. Now, hearing his head coach gush about him, as much as someone like Kevin Scavancy actually gushes, he is my big winner from this week in the NFL. Spence, what about you? Well, for me, um, I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. Um, he just signed today in New, uh, New Orleans uh, for a, somewhat of a low-cost deal for wide receivers from what we've seen this offseason. But the thing is, he, he's going from basically being the guy, the number one guy in a Baker Mayfield-led team to – going somewhere with a quarterback who can actually throw it. I know Jameis Winston has like this. We look at Jameis like, oh, he threw 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns, different offense. If you look at him last year before he tore his ACL, his his touchdown to interception ratio was fantastic. He was actually one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I believe it was something like 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. You got 100%, 14 to three. Absolutely amazing. So now you have that quarterback, and now – on top of that, he doesn't have to be the number one guy. So in a, in a sneaky good situation where you have Alvin Kamara, who's potentially going to be suspended because of uh, an assault issue in, in Las Vegas, but you still have Alvin Kamara there. You have Michael Thomas there. You have like he there are other receivers and other weapons there that now he can actually go out there and kind of get one on one coverage. He could do some things and, and really make some damage or, or cause some damage to the to the defense. So I think Jarvis Landry is definitely a winner this week. And um but I absolutely agree with you, Cleveland. I've never heard Kevin Stefanski. I've never heard him gush the way he did about that. You're right, 100%. Losers this week. Spence, you get to go first. Okay. Well, um, I think Baker Mayfield is the loser. Um, Again. For multiple <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, and I'm tough on Baker. But I'm tough. I've, I've been tough on Baker because I feel like he – when he came into the league, he had a, a very good rookie year, but I felt like he he um he took the attitude and he took the the you know like the personality as if he, he was Tom Brady, like he won Tom Brady s games and he didn't win Tom Brady games, so you know that kind of rubbed me wrong. And then you know I'm a big OBJ fan, so when OBJ goes there, I have pass after pass after pass that I can show you where you know the the it was just horrible. It was it was horrible. Uh, so. The thing is, he still can't find a home. From what I'm hearing, um, nobody is trying to do the Browns any favors. So at the point that it's going, it's going to look like if he does get traded, if you know when he does get traded, it's going to have to be when and if a quarterback gets injured. We see injuries every year, so it's very possible. But 
you would think even at this point, Seattle would have taken a shot on them because Geno Smith is their currently he's their QB one. They're not even trying to fight for it. They're like, no, we're not doing them any favors because of the 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 way the entire situation went. The league is not happy with the Browns because of the Deshaun Watson contract and all that stuff. So, look, Baker is basically in limbo. He's in limbo until something happens. And um, I actually I actually feel bad. I think I feel like this just this much. I feel bad for Baker. A little bit, just a little bit, not too much, but just, just, just a pinch, a pinch yeah. of feeling. Since this is a, a culinary themed show, we're going to go with a pinch of feeling bad for me. Oh, oh it's salt, salt Bay. We're doing the salt Bay worth of bad here. Okay. So my biggest loser this week is Jerry Judy. Now it came out that Jerry Judy's situation was a, uh, a misdemeanor. Uh, looks like it was a uh, criminal tampering charge, which means basically he, he withheld property from somebody, uh, his, his, um, the mother of his child. He withheld some property from her and basically wouldn't give it back to her. And she flat out asked the judge, hey, let's, let's drop this whole thing. And he probably will not get any sort of significant suspension. So why on earth would I even bring this up? Jerry Judy is entering a very pivotal year in Jerry Judy's career. Because the first year, he had a little bit of drop issues, but... He was ready to go. Year two, big breakout candidate, gets hurt. Suffers through terrible, terrible quarterback play when he gets back. This year, maybe maybe there's a chance for Jerry Judy, but oh, look at that. The Broncos re-signed both of their starting receivers from last year to meaningful deals. So now Jerry Judy's coming in and going, well, I'm not guaranteed to get a top three target share anymore. So any little thing is a bad thing because this is a really important year for Jerry Judy. Anything that keeps you off the field, anything that makes you a distraction, anything that gives them a reason to not want to make you the dude is a bad thing because you're teetering right now, Mr. Jerry Judy. You're teetering on the edge of, is this guy going to be another one of those first-round busts? Because you had a perfectly reasonable year, and we've seen that the – the draft class that was that legendary wide receiver draft class, everybody asked, what are your top three? Now, let me ask you, is it Judy, Ruggs, CD? Is it CD, Ruggs, Judy? Is it Everyone said, who are those three people? Guess what? The fourth guys end up being the best guy, which is Justin Jefferson. And for some people, the fourth guy was Jalen Rager, who was already busted out. So Ruggs is in jail, right? Rager's busting out. Now Jerry Judy's on the tipping point and CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson sitting there going, I mean, you know, two out of five ain't bad, right? That's what they're thinking. So you are on the tipping point right now, Mr. Jerry Judy, and anything bad that happens to you is amplified by the fact that your margin for error is very slim right now. So for me, biggest loser of the week, Jerry Judy. How do you feel about that? No, you know what? I agree with you. That's... um. It- it's unfortunate for several reasons. First, domestic violence or domestic abuse is just not cool in any way. But it, it sucks because, like you mentioned, this is a huge year for him. And it's the first year of his career in the NFL where he's going to have a quarterback that can actually sling it. And I know, you know, again, Russell kind of, Russ fades out towards the end of the season. He always starts off hot and his team looks great. And they're like, oh, he could be the MVP this year. But there's a reason why he never wins the MVP or why he has, I think for his career, he has one or two votes total for the MVP. Mm-hmm. And that's because he always phases out towards the middle to the end of the season. But 
I think he has a better roster completely. He has a better def- or a better offensive line in front of him, and he has better weapons. Not that DK Metcalf and not that you know Tyler Lockett. He had a very good receiver core over there and a good running back. But you're fooling yourself if you don't think the Denver Broncos are a better put together roster. So you know in this situation again, like I mentioned about Jarvis earlier, having other weapons, so there's not so much pressure on him. This was a perfect opportunity for for Judy to come in and get some one-on-ones with, with some DBs or some, you know, like it, it was a perfect opportunity for him to come and show the NFL what he could do from to have a breakout season and, and earn a contract. Now it's looking like, you know, depending on the suspension that he's probably going to get, he may or may not. I, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to be probably six weeks or so. That's typically like the first, a uh, first offense, but you know, it, it just sucks for him because everybody anticipated him being one of those top guys with Russ coming in. And now, you know, it's looking like, like you mentioned, they signed their, their two guys from last year, and those guys are excited, and Russ is excited. <laughs> Every day he's posting a video of him working out or him, you know, with the guys. And he's he's ready. So Denver's going to be fun to watch, and Judy might not be fun part about it, which sucks. AFC West is going to be an absolute bloodbath. I mentioned on social media earlier this uh, earlier this offseason that the AFC West has become the hold-my-beer division. Because yeah. it just seems like one upping after one upping after one upping after one upping. It was a whole thing. But, ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did all the things. All of the things have been done. We have cooked the meal. We have prepared the meal. We have served the meal. We are cleaning up after the meal. Spence, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and all your work? Thanks for joining you me, man. Find, you know, thank you for inviting me, man. This is all anytime I get to do anything with Bruce, I'm, I'm on it. But you can find me on Twitter at King. Same thing at Instagram. Uh, the Code of Conduct is live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then it's available in podcast form at midnight Eastern time uh, for Wednesday. And then um, Hump Day Hotline with Joe Miller on Wednesdays again at 8 p.m. Then Saturday nights. Typically, uh, we're supposed to start next week coming back. Not tomorrow, but next week we're going to start me, Sterling, uh, Kristen, and Ange. We're going to bring back the chop up. We're going to have a good time with that. And uh, and then I'm also I'm thinking about doing – I don't know if everybody knows. I'm sure they do because Bruce is such a phenomenal advertiser and marketer. Um, we have a Twitch channel now. So I will be um, – mm. I've already I've – already, Zach Moss has said he's going to come on and get beat. I don't know if you all watched the code of conduct this week, but I, he's going to get beat. Ain't no way I'm losing to Zach, but Zach Moss is coming on the show this year. We're going to have a, a Madden. I'm going to, I'm basically going to try to play Madden every week with one of the players. So uh, we're going to see how that goes, depending on how the schedule is for them. I know the season is really huge, so they got to be focused, but we're going to get to that. So you can find me and uh, Hey, talk to me, follow me. Like, you know, I'll follow back. We'll talk, we'll chat it up. I love everybody. And uh, Bruce again, thank you, man. This was awesome. Follow Jay Spence the King on Twitter. He follows back. I do not. Um, so by all means, follow him. He's far more pleasant than I will ever hope to be. So make sure you do that. I'm a cantankerous grump, and I still don't know why anybody follows me or listens to any of my stuff. So with that being said, we hope you enjoyed my ever sunny disposition. We hope you thought this meal was delicious. And most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry.